Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome back to Who's Talking. She's a singer and songwriter who is living the American dream. From Cuban refugee to titan of Latin music, her songs have found a huge audience while staying true to her heritage. And now after two dozen albums, she and her family are making more music. You've had a few clunkers in recent years. You think? That's not perception. That's reality. I'm feeling stronger than ever now in my life. How would you rate yourself as a chef? Why, I'm not doing that with you, Christopher Wilder. Gloria Stefan, welcome. I am thrilled to get to sit and talk with you. So am I. I'm a big fan, as I was telling you, so this is special for me. Thank you. Let's talk about, you got a new album out called A Stefan Family Christmas, in which you and your daughter Emily and your grandson Sasha sing. And, and, and I want to talk specifically about a song that the three of you wrote called Thankful. Here it is. All the things in life that I got the voice, don't they? And the timbre, right? Sometimes we couldn't tell who was doing which harmony after we mixed the record. We'd go, wait a minute, was that you? Was it me? Each in their own right. And my daughter, who is uh, mind-blowingly talented, I wish I I could do what she does on a good day. Uh, But where did the idea for the album and for that song come from? 2019 Thanksgiving. Ever since uh, Sasha was a baby, we would put together a little show because he sings. He came with him. And Emily, him and I put together music to play for the family during after dinner. We do a lot of Beatles stuff because we love, all three of us love the Beatles. So I said to them, let's, this time, let's write a little original chorus, just a little snippet, so that then, Sasha, you can go around with the mic and everybody can say what they're thankful for. 19, it was great. 2020, no Thanksgiving. 21, we do it again, and then we were getting ready our Christmas show for Christmas Eve, and Sasha says to me, Tutu, you know what? I, when I try to go to the high notes, something is different, something's changing. I go, oh my God, here comes the puberty it's train. puberty, yes. yes. <laughs> and I went to them and said, what do you think if we immortalize our little show, but professionally for a Christmas album? They love the idea. We three chose the songs, we picked the stylings we wanted to do, and I said, we will have to do this now if we're gonna have it out by Christmas, because if we don't do it now, Sasha's gonna sound completely different. And it It'll all be just- be a baritone. Exactly. And it all turned out so perfectly as things tend to do when they're born organically. I gotta say, a Stefan Thanksgiving sound better than most people's there, Thanksgiving. There are a lot of music, a lot of dancing, uh, a lot of food, both American, that's my favorite meal, 
Thanksgiving, if I could pick one American meal to eat, it would be the turkey, the mashed potatoes, the sweet potatoes, all that. And then, of course, all the Cuban stuff that we throw in regardless. So it's a party. Well, you talk about Cuban. You have are widely considered the most successful Latin crossover artist in history. A hundred million records sold, 11 top 10 hits, seven Grammys. How do you explain it? How do I explain it? We did it for love. I sing since I talk. It's uh, something that was my lifeline um, through very tough times. I had a rough childhood first, being here with my mother. My father went to Bay of Pigs. He was political prisoner two years. He came back, he joined the U.S. Army, he went to Vietnam, he came back with Agent Orange poisoning. And all through this, music was my savior. I would lock myself in my room with my guitar. I started playing at about eight years old. I took lessons and I would just sing and cry. And so my mom wouldn't see cracks in the armor. And it's the reason we do music. You, you, you talk about your heritage. You were born in Cuba. Your father participated in the failed Bay of Pigs invasion and spent a year and a half in Fidel Castro's prisons before he was allowed to come yes. to the United States. How strong is your emotional connection to your birthplace? It's very strong because my mother made it so. Uh, they thought they were going back, so it was exceedingly important that we keep our culture alive. Then, when they saw that it wasn't happening, it became even more important that we not forget. But the Cuba that I know is the nostalgic Cuba of my mother's life. I was two when I left, so I really didn't know Cuba. And uh, it's very different, I think, from the Cuba that is now in existence after 63 years of uh, after the revolution. And, and, but I and still the regime have that. Of, of the Castro. Of the Castro. Well, I want to pick up on that because even after President Obama resumed diplomatic relations, a few years ago, you said you would not go back to perform. What would it take for you to go back to Cuba? A free Cuba, an actual free Cuba. You can have all the diplomatic relations you want. But for me to go, and I've been invited. I was invited I'm by sure. Pope John Paul to go with him in 97. And I respectfully declined. I explained to him that it was important that he go, but my presence would be a very political one because I've been very vocal against the regime. And he understood, but I'm Cuban. I can't stand in the Plaza de la Revolución in front of a Che Guevara and Fidel Castro portrait after what my father went through, knowing that when I leave, those people are going to be in the same difficult situation they're in. I won't feel free to say what I want to say there. I don't want to cause violence and I don't want to cause a problem. So for me, it, it'd be very difficult. I would love to celebrate the day that the Cuban people are actually free to vote for, for who they want, to live the lives they want, to choose the careers they want. and to be able to express themselves like we do in this country. This year, you did a remake of the classic film Father of the Bride, yeah. along with Andy Garcia. And this version had a good deal of Cuban culture in it. Very much. Hola, Ingrid, Chichi. What's cooking? I'm just trying to fix the ropa vieja. She added too much on oh, it. Oh, it smells delicious. Theo Walter is here. Ropa vieja. Theo, why don't you stay for dinner? I love that. Mm. <laughs> I'm curious, 
Why did you all decide to do that, to have a lot of the Cuban culture in it? And was there any pushback from the producers or whatever saying, you know, this might not play as well in middle America? You know what? On the contrary, the uh, writers and producers of the film were Cuban. And when Plan B, um, Brad Pitt's company, got involved, they wanted it to be very legit. It was uh, Andy was Andy Garcia, good friend of mine for over 30 years, was one of the executive producers. And it was incredibly important to all of us to be very culturally sensitive to stay away from stereotypes and laugh with each other instead of at each other and portray more realistic view of what the Cuban from Miami has become after so many years. So when I got that script, I go, oh my God, Father of the Bride, this is like iconic. We, we can seriously mess this up <laughs> if we do the wrong thing. We're talking Spencer Tracy and Elizabeth Taylor. Yes. We're talking Steve Martin. Yes, indeed. And we go, we have to be real because if not and people get that honesty they really loved it 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 did great and we were thrilled and plus to hang with andy uh although i have to say the kissing part was a little tough because we're friends i guess it's better than kissing someone i don't know but we've been friends for so long i shipped my husband out not at the studio out of state for that scene because <laughs> it was but he was lovely and it was very natural we we have a, a great chemistry him and i all right you started in the 1970s with a group called the miami sound machine and here is one of your signature songs oh boy here we go Yes, indeed. That's it, a big one. Is it true that the original name of that song was Boogeyman's Gotta Get You? Absolutely. My drummer had come to me with the idea of the hook, because then I co-wrote it with him, because I go, I have a small child. I am not singing. The Boogeyman's Gonna Get You. This is insane. So one night we were in a little hotel. I think it was somewhere near Chicago on tour. And I kept thinking, what can we do that's not the Boogeyman? And I, I thought, what our music does, the rhythm, it's going to get you because wherever we went, whatever language they spoke, they were able to appreciate the rhythm. And I changed it, thank the Lord, because... Yeah, I'm not sure Boogeyman's going to get <laughs> yeah. you would be the, the classic song. Unless it was for a horror movie, which yeah, happened true. to be a buff. But you know that that song is one of only 611 songs that have been saved in the, in the National Archives in some vault or something because uh, the Library of Congress uh, said that it has changed the cultural fabric of the nation and they choose songs that they put away for posterity. It's a classic. It's a big honor is what it is for me. Because imagine an immigrant that came to this country to have one of our songs forever protected is, is a really Well, it's a nation of immigrants. Yes, so there was something else going on in the Miami Sound Machine. The, there was a fella he was the band leader. His name was Amelia Estefan. And you two f fall in love and get married. He was my boss for a year. Neither one of us wanted to touch that with a 10-foot pole because it was going so well. And I looked at him as 
he was only he's only four and a half years older than me, but he seemed like such an older guy, responsible. I had zero experience. I didn't have a social life. And we didn't want to mess up the professional thing, but it was natural. I mean, we we just were drawn to each other. Uh, we're very different personality-wise, but we were on the same page for pretty much everything else. And it's we're married now 44 years, two uh, together before that, and the year that he was my boss. So 47 years of my life have been spent with Emilio Estefan, and it's been so fast and so wonderful. I loved every moment. So in 1989, you release your first solo album and you have another hit. So by this point, you have a booming career. You now have a family. You must have thought, we're on our way. Absolutely. And you know, we never really sat back to look because we were always working, working, working. We were either on tour or writing and then going into the studio and producing. But um, I didn't even want him to add my name to the band name. I go, it's working. Why, why do you need to put my name? He goes, your name has to be up front. He goes, you're the front man. It's got to be you. And uh, we were just getting so much success worldwide, but loving every minute. It, we never really sat back to think, hey, we're doing it. And then it comes all crashing down. Oh boy, literally. March 20th, yes. 1990. You're on your tour bus, you're in Pennsylvania. What happens? I was taking a nap in the front of the tour bus on the couch. My son was in the back with his tutor doing his homework. Emilio was on the phone, one of those giant brick cell phones with his brother, and his brother was reading him the front page of the Herald that had a picture of us holding a crystal globe for 25 million in sales. And he read, Gloria and Emilio Stefan have the world in their hands. And at that moment, we got rear-ended by a fully loaded 18-wheeler. We had stopped because there was a seven-mile backup accident, and we were pushed into another truck in front of us and I broke my back. I was paralyzed. I couldn't get up from the floor of the bus. And I knew my dad my dad had gone through a lot of spinal issues, so I was very clear. I clung to the hope that I hadn't severed the cord because I was in so much pain, but I knew I'd broken my back. You at one point were told that you might never be able to walk again, right? Exactly. Um, there was a lot of damage. Two of the vertebrae had been separated from my spine and pushed in. And a lot of things had to do with the fact that I'm still walking. One of which is the prayers of so many people worldwide that I felt around me like an energy and absorbed. But also, at that time, they hadn't discovered yet uh, about putting people on ice when you do the spinal cord injury. But since the front of the bus had been torn away, it was snowing in the bus, which is what had caused the accident. So it took an hour and a half for the ambulance to get to me. And in that time, I was put on ice by nature. And how long and how tough was the recovery? It was tough. Um, I remember coming back to Miami and you've you know, got that adrenaline taking you through the really difficult portions uh, and the initial injury. Then when I got home and saw that I couldn't do anything, I couldn't sit up, I couldn't lay down, I couldn't flip over. 
I had to be attended. We brought a nurse with us from New York, but Emilio didn't leave my side for three months. I got, you know, you have to face that depression. You have to grieve your body and what you've lost. I did that and then I said, okay, enough. You got to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. I spent three months where I could only float in the pool and try to move my legs when you're weightless. Every day was incrementally bigger. I took tiny steps each day, one or two more steps than the day before until it, it took a good year. I got back on stage 20 days shy of a year of that accident and my doctor couldn't believe it. He was crying in the audience. He, he, he says, had a, I operated on you. I don't understand how you're doing what you're doing right now. This is where your story is almost like a Hollywood movie because less than a year, as you say, just shy of a year of the accident and long, hard recovery, you release this song. May not make it You co-wrote that with Emilio, and I understand that, that the day of the accident, he wrote those words on a piece of paper coming out of the dark. He did. We were being transported from Scranton, where the accident had happened, and it was a really gray day. And no matter where the helicopters would turn, a ray of light would hit Emilio in the eyes. And why he wrote this in English, I will never know, because that's not his first language. But he said that all he could think of is... Oh my God, when are we going to come out of this darkness? When are we going to come out of this darkness? And he asked the helicopter pilot for a pen, wrote it on a piece of paper, stuffed it in his pants pocket, and forgot about it. Then in Miami, going through a toll, he was fishing out a quarter, and he finds his crumpled and washed piece of paper three months after we had already been home. And he said to me, I want to show you something. And he shows me the piece of paper. He goes, I want to do this song. Will you come to the studio with me? His secret wish was to get me back to music because I was focusing so much on the rehab that he wanted to remind me of what music had, how it healed me in the past. And I remember looking at it and going, you wrote this in English? <laughs> and then I went for him because he hadn't left my side. And the whole song poured through me. It's a big thank you to all the fans that, sent so many cards and letters and prayers and time of their lives to send me good thoughts. And that's what that song's all about. So I said that your life seemed like a Hollywood movie. In fact, it became a Broadway musical on your feet, which ran for 800 shows. Take a look. That was so exciting. I was daunting when they came with that idea and that you always take a risk when you do something new. 
So our idea was, let's try to inspire through this avenue, through Broadway, which I loved and brought my kids up on, and try to inspire people that might come to the show to realize that, hey, you can make your dreams come true. Things happen, but you just keep getting up. And that's Alex Dinelaris, brilliant writer, Oscar winning, thank God he won the Oscar after, or we couldn't have afforded him. <laughs> but uh, he, he chose the title On Your Feet because he said that that's all Emilio and I have done all our lives. First, leaving Cuba, starting over in a new country, uh, fighting the record company and everybody that would say our sound wouldn't work. We just kept over and over getting back on our feet and then literally after my accident. So that's why he chose On Your Feet. You have said that this show is a love story, love of family and love of country. Family, love, family, country, and music. Absolutely. Both countries. My native country, they gave me the ability to do an album like Mi Tierra or songs that have, you know, uh, really celebrated the sounds of Cuba. The music is one of the biggest wonderful exports. And this country that allowed us to build our dream and live it. We definitely have lived the American dream and I hope that that uh, becomes, you know, available to everyone that still dreams and has things that they want to do and that they realize it can be done. Well, this country has loved you back because in 2015, President Obama gave you and Emilio the Presidential Medal of Freedom. And tell us what that meant to you. That was so incredibly moving to me. But all I could think of was my father who brought us here for freedom. And to be receiving this medal for the first time, a couple getting it together, President Obama actually said, hey, Gloria, you know, Michelle and I were talking and we said that if we were gonna get something like this, to, we'd wanna get it together. Cause usually they do each individual. And I said, oh, Mr. President, that would be phenomenal. And he changed everything. So Emilio and I together could receive the medal. Uh, I, it was hard for me not to cry during that because it, it meant so, so much. All right, change of pace. You've got a show called Red Table Talk, The Estefans. And in, in one episode, you're going to shake your head, your daughter, yes, uh, in effect, calls you out about the fact that, that she is gay and she says that you were reluctant to let her tell her grandmother that she had come out before her grandmother passed away. Here it is. The things that I was facing in the moment were so crippling that I couldn't see anything but the hurt. I understand that. You know? And I hate to know that I was part of that hurt, but I was just trying for you to have Abuela get to know Jem before, you know, so that it could become a part of her life before somebody came and threw it in and said to her, look, like, well, and she, you know, she passed and I never got to tell her. She knows. You know what? But I bet I, you but she I, knows more than anybody. But I did it for everybody else. You know? That's pretty raw. That's it pretty was completely raw. We didn't discuss anything before the, the table talks because we wanted it to be that way. But well, you, I've got to ask you, though, Gloria, yeah. why? I mean, why share all of this in public? I'll tell you why, because we've received countless letters from people that used that show to come out to their parents, that watched it with them. In the Latin community, a lot of these subjects aren't touched, they're taboo. 
they people see, but they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to see it. And the whole point of us doing those 20 episodes was I have all these people that have loved me through the years and supported, and I want them to realize that we're all just families trying to get through the difficult moments in life. Emily, I thought, would feel comfortable coming out to me. We've been very, very open about the support for the LGBT community our entire lives. And at the same time, I had a mother with ulcerative colitis that even if I brought up a bill or something that was not even important, would get very upset and would get sick. So all I told them, but she was hearing it through the difficulty that she was experiencing. I told her, just do it slowly, do it. Don't just sit her down and say, boom, give her a minute to process. And I just kept thinking to myself, while all this was happening in the, in the show, I kept thinking, had you sat your grandma down and told her this, what would you be thinking now? after she passed away, that had nothing to do with your message to her or the delivery of that. So yeah, and life is complicated, life is tough, and we wanted to share those things with people so they would realize these are conversations we need to have, and it, it really was wonderful, the response. Well, there is a, a happy postscript to all of this, which is that Emily is a rising star with something of your voice and something of her father's musicality. And I guess the question I have is, does she listen to the two of you or does she say, nah, I'll do it on my own? A little bit of both. She grew up around us, so she always takes whatever advice we give her, you know, with a grain of salt, first of all, but she's very strong-willed. She will do, she wants to make her mark in her way and I applaud that. I applaud it. It's a different world than the one that Emilio and I made music in. It's tougher for new young musicians because everything is fragmented. You don't have those venues that would put your music out in front of millions and millions of people. But all I've told her always is do what you're passionate about. You have to do what makes you happy. And that is what she's doing, absolutely. Strong weld. I wonder where she got that I don't from. know. I can't imagine. I, I can't imagine. <laughs> Gloria, thank you. Thank you. This has been a delight. For me as well. Thank you so much. Gloria Stefan's career has always been a family affair, and her latest album is no different. You can find a Stefan Family Christmas right now, wherever you get your music. Thank you for watching. Catch us every Sunday night on CNN, and keep streaming anytime you want on HBO Max to find out who's talking next.